First song will be the the, the, the offering. Okay, all right. All right. Well, good evening. Um, welcome to Deep Creek Baptist Church for our. I'm going to go out on a limb. Uh, uh, we had our 146th homecoming yesterday, so I'm going to say this is our 146th annual revival. I don't know if we've had them every year, but it's close enough. Um, you know, give or take 50, 60 years, nobody's going to argue. Uh, with that being said, uh, I want to I want to welcome everyone here tonight, and we're going to open in a prayer. Uh, we're going to have a song. The first song that we're going to sing, the first hymn, is going to be an offertory hymn. So uh, we'll do that, and then we will. Uh, um, get down to where I will introduce you to our speaker and what I know about him. And then if I don't know a whole lot, James knows the rest, so we're, we're good. <laughs> uh, but, uh, well, just remember, I know your daddy. <laughs> uh, the, so, anyway, uh, so the first thing I want to do is let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, most glorious Lord God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this time in our lives so we can gather together safely and worship you. Lord, we, uh, we're excited to hear the message that's going to be brought the next few nights. Lord, we know that, that you have inspired that message for us uh, to take it, apply it to our lives and walk it out into this world that needs to see you. Lord, you're counting on us to be your ambassador to this world. Lord, we love you. I ask that you would bless each family that's here and those that aren't. Lord, I ask you to touch the hearts that need to be touched. Um, go forward. Send your spirit before us so that, Lord, those hearts that need to hear what's being said will hear it and they will act on it. Lord, we ask that not, not one soul... Hear this and, and cross the threshold into hell without having decided to make a commitment for Jesus Christ. Lord, I, uh, I love you and we love you and I ask it in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Now I have a couple of announcements to make. Uh, tomorrow night and Wednesday night we'll, uh, we'll be here at the same time. I think uh, uh, we have special music. I know we have it tonight, tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, those of you who would like that uh, cream corn recipe that was such a hit that my telephone got blown up yesterday, uh, I, I have six copies. So six of you can be six of you can be touched with with uh, with the ability to make that corn that caused such a stir. Uh, I didn't get any of it. I should have got up and got some. Uh, but I understand it was great. Uh, I had a man stand up in the middle of the, of the, of the mill. Who made this corn? And they said, Ann did. 
And James said, if you wasn't married, I'd marry you. <laughs> he says, best corn he ever ate. And then it's a couple of other people, and I got a phone call about that. Do you have that recipe? No, I don't have that recipe. Uh, but I'll see what we can do. And so tonight, I have my copy. And uh, if you want a copy, let me know. We got, like I said, there's several here, and we can make more. Uh, any announcements, praises, prayer requests, right quick? Please pray for Karen. Karen, okay. Yep. Remember Karen. Uh, go ahead, John. Okay. 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 Homes family. All right. Any other? Remember our mission team as we leave Sunday. All right. If there's no others, then we will have our offertory hymn. Love the day. All right, if everybody will stand and sing with me 624 since Jesus has came into our heart. Jesus came into my heart. 
much for giving us the opportunity to come serve you, Lord. Just thank you for all that you do for us in our lives. Thank you for the, the man that's going to be bringing the word, word tonight, Lord. Let it touch someone's heart. Just uh, give him the words that we need to hear, Lord, so, so we can take it out and share it. Uh, thank you for the first responders, our military, Lord. Uh, be with our leaders. Put them on their knees and let them come to you for all their answers, Lord. Just use this money as you see fit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Oh, to take 
out to a world where wrong seems right. What could be too great a cost for sharing life with one who's lost? Kathleen. Uh, well, it now becomes my pleasure to introduce you to uh, Reverend Nathan Black. Um, a little history. Uh, Nathan and his dad and I were good friends. Uh, we grew up together and we hunted together. And, and so uh, I was telling somebody earlier, uh, his dad was in, was in my wedding and I was in his wedding. My youngest daughter, this Sunday, will turn 32. She's a year older than you. And so, uh, you know, it's just the way our families have been. Uh, I used to deer hunt with his dad, and not only his dad, but his grandfather. His grandfather was my scoutmaster. And uh, <laughs> uh, William was a uh, jokester. <laughs> He's laughing, he knows. William was a plumber by trade, and at the time that we were coming up, they were still using cast iron pipe. And so he had calluses on his hands, and he would tell us that if you grab a bee and hold your breath, he will not sting your hand. That was not true, because <laughs> we tried. <laughs> 
And he would just laugh. His face would turn red. When William got tickled, his face would turn red. Your dad, when he gets tickled, his face turns red. And uh, so anyway, uh, but yes, we go, we go way back. And uh, um, I've watched him grow up. Um, he went off to school. Um, and, and what, you spend 11 years at Cart Cartlidge Creek? Somewhat? Eight. Eight. Almost, nine. Almost nine years at Cartlidge Creek as the youth pastor. And then he, uh, this year he uh, took a position at uh, a Baptist Church in Laurenburg as the associate pastor. Um, and so I had talked to him way early this year uh, in, in the in the tail end of winter to ask him to pray about bringing the message. And, uh, and so he called me back and said, I, I'd be more than happy to. So I've known for a long time who was going to bring the message. And, uh, and so tonight we get to hear that message. Uh, and tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, and, and I'm proud of Nathan. I'm proud to call him my friend. Uh, and I, I exactly family, you know. Um, and so, uh, Brother Nathan, uh, without further ado, I will turn it over to you. And, and don't think bad of me sitting on the second pew. Uh, yeah, right. I was at a revival sitting on the front row, and the man come down and started checking. <laughs> from that point on, any revival I go to, I sit on the second row. Mm. They got to lean over hey. and the shaking. Hey, sometimes we get a little excited and we start spraying too. So, uh, you know, just saying. Yeah. Uh, well, I just want y'all to know, uh, I, I really enjoyed that song, Kathleen. Uh, people need Jesus, and uh, as a as a pastor going into into the sermon, into the message, uh, to hear a song like that and the one before that, uh, it is it is something. So I will pray for us, and then we're going to dive into the scripture tonight. All right, so let me pray for us, and then we'll get going. Dear God, I just thank you for this opportunity for the next few nights to bring Deep Creek your word, God. And I pray that as I'm preaching that I will stand behind the cross and realize it is not about Nathan Black and showcasing my abilities, God, but it's about the one who bled and died for me and for those who I'm preaching to. So God, help me with your spirit to help me preach the next few nights and tonight and guide me in your word. God, allow us to feast on your truth because there are people that are lost and dying and need your truth as well so god open our hearts open our minds to your word tonight fill this uh this church with your presence god come and work in a mighty way get us recharged get us revived and wake us up so we can be excited about the gospel god and we thank you tonight for your love in your son's name i pray amen Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And once you find Mark chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 14. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. And normally I do this if I preach. Once you find it, my wife already knew what was coming. Hold your Bibles up for me. Let me know. And I know some people got some cell phones. And I don't know if you got service out here or not. So if you, if you got your Bible, there we go. We got some people. There we go. I see. I see. We got some fast ones in the room, you know. And then we got some people that might need. I'm just kidding. All right. So, 
So Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. And before, before I jump into verse 14, I just kind of want to give you a little context of what's taking place before verse 14. Right here, you got this man called John the Baptist. Uh, he was not the typical Baptist guy, you know, church guy during this time. I don't know if y'all know what he ate, but he ate locusts and honey, and he wore camel hair clothing. All right, so and he enjoyed doing ministry out in the wilderness, not like an AC building like this, you know, that I, I enjoy being in. So he did not, he was not the typical synagogue rabbi teacher, but he was out in nowhere, had a unique uh, diet. And then you get right here in verse 9 before the passage we're in tonight where he baptizes the Son of God. And we see this beautiful picture that takes place right here of John the Baptist, John the Baptist baptizing. And you see this beautiful picture of the Trinity. And then Jesus from the get-go is where we're at in verse 14, where He starts His ministry. Alright? So let's jump in. It says, verse 14, it says that after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. And these are two critical words for us tonight, church. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his, his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his, uh, his brother John in the boat preparing their nets. Hey, Mama. <laughs> she, she, she made it. That's my Mama. <laughs> Way to make an entrance, Mama. So, <laughs> so rewinding real quick, verse 19, it says, And when he had, Jesus had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Church, this is where we're going to be at tonight. We're going to be in this, this section of verses. And as you see, tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday, normally my sermons have five points. Five points, and I'll break it down. I want to break down the first word, and I like to move a little bit, so I will see if these microphones will stay with me. The first word is the word proclaiming. Alright? So y'all see that? Uh, I'm reading. I wasn't a big reader growing up. The NIV translation, I did not have the best of reading skills, and so the NIV is what I... But some, some of y'all might have a different translation. Proclaiming means preaching. Uh, proclaiming, sharing, telling uh, the Word, right? Y'all see Jesus. So again, going back to the context. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and from the get-go, what is Jesus doing in His ministry? First thing He does is starts proclaiming the good news. Starts proclaiming. So I just want to ask a simple question, church. I hope y'all can hear me. Can y'all hear me? Alright. First question real quick is, what does it mean to proclaim something? For me, it means you are passionate about something. I was just talking to James as he walks in. He, uh, I'm sure he's pretty passionate about the Mountaineers, the Appalachian, going down to Aggieland, going down to Aggieland and beating the sixth number team in the nation. 
So I'm just saying, when you are proclaiming something, you're passionate, you're excited about it. So Jesus, guess what He is passionate about? He is passionate about the good news from the get-go. He is sharing it, He is telling it. Guess why He is telling the good news to people? It's because He is surrounded by sinners. Let me say that one more time, church. Just like that song Kathleen sang, people need Jesus. Jesus is proclaiming the good news from the get-go. As soon as He comes out and starts doing ministry in Galilee, He is proclaiming and excited and passionate about sharing with sinners a life transformation or life-transforming information that will forever change their life. So let me just use an illustration real quick. Jerry already explained, my family are hunters. If you get around me, I was having lunch with a guy today. At, uh, we were eating Mexican food down at, uh, in Longburg, and we met at 12.30. We talked Jesus. We were talking church. And next thing you know, he started asking me about hunting because he's pretty passionate about hunting. And I'm like, I wonder what time it is. I might need to go back to the church office. I looked down, and we met at 12.30. I looked down, and it was 2 o'clock. So we talked church, we talked Jesus, and next thing you know, after a few minutes of conversation, it was 2 o'clock and we had been talking about hunting. Hunting, I should say. You know. So i got to add that G in there. So we were talking about hunting. We were, And I'm excited about hunting. If you get to know me, I like to fish. Uh, some of y'all might be farmers. Some of y'all might, I was talking, uh, might be in the industry of textile. I mean, you might be talking about uh, family I mean, you. Pray. I don't know about y'all, but I'm about to have a newborn come in January. So that is something I proclaim, and I'm sure my mama, as she made the entrance, she, uh, she probably is proclaiming that a little bit too, that she's about to be a first-time grandparent. So when you proclaim something, church, that means you're excited about it. That means you're passionate about it. But for me, the struggle is, is that eventually there becomes a point where I transition from hunting and fishing, football, I transition from that to eventually proclaiming about a Savior that bled and died for me. I had a mom, I don't know if you know, but there's a teacher here that had me at the White Center. So she probably has memories of Little Trouble Nathan back in the day. So I'm just saying, God's grace works in mysterious ways. And as you get older, as you experience the good news in the gospel of Christ, guess what? You can't help but to proclaim Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this, Deep Creek, tonight. If I looked at your life this past week, this past summer, when was the last time you truly proclaimed the salvation of Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about inviting people to church. I'm talking about getting in the nitty-gritty of saying, hey, I have something that is so wonderful that it will keep you out of the pits of hell and bring you in an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. When was the last time you stood before something and shared Jesus Christ? You want to know how, to, how a revival starts? It's when Christians start taking their relationship with Christ with Jesus serious and they start sharing with people who are in need of Christ amen church amen Amen. so 
That's point number one. We got four more to go, church. Point number one. So we got proclaiming out of the way. And I'm going to move a little bit around and everything. So again, do y'all remember the two words I said that were critical and very important for us? Someone help me out. There was two words. One starts with an R, one starts with a B. What was that R one? Repent. 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 So let me ask a simple question. What does the word repent mean? When I was at the age of 14 years old, that's when I, I, I believed that I gave my life to Christ. But before then, there was a broad path that I was heading. A broad path that leads to what, church? Destruction. destruction. And where does that destruction take place? In the pits of hell. Eternity is separated from God Himself. That is, you are heading down that way. You're living in your sin. You're giving yourself over, to, over not to Christ, but the flesh and the desires of this world. And you are walking in that broad path. And some of y'all can think where you were 20, 30, 40 years ago and what your life looked like in the day you repented and turned from that life. You were heading down that broad path leading to destruction. And then you say, you know what? I do need to believe in that good news. I do need to give my life to Christ. I need to turn around. And that's what it means to repent, church. It means that you are heading down a path of darkness, of evil, living in sin, living by your flesh, consumed by all about yourself. Me, 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 and what is taking place out there instead of right here. And what it means to repent is that you're walking this way. And you were saying, I am done with this lifestyle because all it is causing is depression, sin, and wickedness in my life. It is hurting the lives, my life and the lives around me. So guess what? I have to be done with it. So I'm walking this way and you say, I'm done and I'm turning and I'm turning this way. And I want to share two Bible verses with us tonight to paint a better picture. The first one is in Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 6. If y'all, if y'all want to turn there, if, if not, it's okay. Ezekiel 14, 6. It says, Therefore say to the house of the Israel, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Repent! Exclamation point. Turn from your idols and renounce all of your detestable practices. Let me say that one more time for us, church. Turn from your idols, the things that you put higher above God Himself. The things that you give your heart over more than God Himself. Renounce, turn away from your detestable practices. So repent. And that's what the sovereign, almighty God spoke. The other verse for us is in Joshua. Joshua 24-23. It says, Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your heart. Give your heart over to the Lord. Or... Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. So right there, give up, repent, turn away from the foreign gods that you are bowing down, that you're worshiping, that you're idolizing. Turn away from that. Yield your heart. Give your heart. Love. Give your heart over to the first love. To God. What does it mean to repent? 
It means that you are turning away, throwing away, being done with the worldly, fleshly desires, the idols that are coming first in your life, and giving you over your heart. Giving your heart to the one that ultimately loves you more than anything in this world. Amen, church? Amen. So let me use an illustration to help paint a picture. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I get a little busy. My wife gets a little busy. I don't know about y'all. Sometimes life is busy. But in the midst of busyness, sometimes Dixie and I will cook some food and we'll leave it in a trash can. And we'll forget to take it to the road because we live in, in downtown Rockingham. You know, versus out in the country like this, uh, some, some of y'all probably have to take it to the dump or burn it or something. You know, but eventually, sometimes we get busy and we forget to take the trash off. Church, if, you, if you're going with me, sometimes that food starts getting green stuff that talks back to you a little bit. You know, it, or, you know, it has a wonderful smell to it. If you catch it, you know, you get what I'm saying? There is a moldy smell. All right, let me say that one more time. I see some people smiling. All right, so there is a moldy smell, uh, a stench, a stank that is not good. So guess what I am told to do as the husband Get the trash, take it to the road. If not, you're going to be in the doghouse. Alright? And wash the trash can. Wash the trash can. You know, Clorox it down. Right? Get it, get the mold, get the stank out of the house. Right? Get it to the road so the trash pickup guys can come pick it up. Church, can I tell you? That's the aroma, that's the smell that is in our lives if we do not repent of our sin. The stench, the stank, the filthiness, if we do not renounce, if we do not repent, if we do not yield our hearts over to God Himself, the One who sent His one and only Son to die for us, if we do not allow the sin to be repented of, guess what? When people get around us, that's what they're going to smell. The stench, the stank of sin. And guess what they're going to look at you and call you? A hypocrite. That's why a lot of people don't want to come through these doors. Is because we have not repented of the stanky smell of sin that's in our life. When I want people to come to my house, I want them to smell that Febreze smell. You got candles in the house, maybe some food, some pie, maybe some cream corn. You know, you, you just you just never you know you just never know. You want to. When you walk into someone's house, you want to smell the good stuff. Maybe the little outlets that, you know, give off the good smell. Church, can I tell you, that's what people should be smelling when they walk into our lives. The aroma of Christ. The holiness of Christ. The goodness of Christ. If you do not repent and turn from your sin, that's what people are going to smell in your life. When people come into your homes, when people are around you in your businesses, when people, your family members are around you at the reunions, when people are at the grocery store, if you're living in a life of sin, that's what they're going to smell. That's what they're going to see. That's what they're going to experience. So tonight, church, a part of this revival I hope and pray that if there is any sin that is holding you down, that has made you their master, the sin that has clinged to you, I pray tonight can be the night 
where you say, God, I'm sorry. And I need your help. I need your help to take this sin away from me so I can truly focus on the one who died for me. Right, church? Point number two, that was repent. Point number three, what was the other word that I asked y'all to remember for us tonight? Believe. Believe, right? Believe. What does that word believe mean? Let me, if I can get this off, I don't even remember the last time I took it off. Let me, ugh. What does this represent, church? When I put this thing on, it represents that I believe that when I stood before Dixie and proclaimed to her that I was going to be her husband and she was going to be my wife, that that was a covenant before God. You see what I'm saying, church? That I believe that, that I took that covenant serious and to the day I die, through sickness, through health, sicker or poor, uh, rich, uh, I better remember those. Hey, she's looking at it. So, good or bad, that this represents, this wedding ring represents that there is a belief, a covenant in this marriage. Jesus says that we are to believe in this good news. What is that good news, church? It means that you had a one and only, God's one and only Son decided to leave His home in heaven, to take on flesh, to be born of a virgin, to live a life around sinners, and to give His life by taking nails in His hands, nails, a nail in His feet, the crown of thorns around His head, to be denied, to be betrayed, in order to love us so much that we can come into a covenant relationship with Him. You want to know what the good news is? That He says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. That once you are sealed with My Spirit, nothing can take away from that. Amen. Jesus says repent. Meaning that you're walking down the broad, dark, destructive path and you're saying, I'm giving up this life and i got to focus on something. What is that something? It is a relationship for eternity with Him. That within that relationship, there is no worry from this world. That You look at the book of Romans, neck and this sword, it goes down the list. Sickness, nothing can separate you from His love, church. Amen. Nothing. Nothing can take you from His love. You want to know what the good news is? It says, I will buy you with my blood and buy you back from the sin that you're living in. What does the word belief mean? It means that you have walked into a relationship, leaving this life behind, and now focused on a new creative life. He says, I will take you from the old life and make you a new creation, giving you a new purpose. That is what that good news is. Let me ask you, church, can people see that you believe in the good news? If I looked at your life this past week, could I even see the evidence and the fruit that you believed in the good news? That has took a sinner who deserve hell, brings them into grace and mercy, and gives them a new life. Can anybody see that 
in your life this past week? Could I have seen it? In your family, your workplace, the grocery store, wherever, could people see that you love a Savior who gave His life for you and gave you this good news? Church, you want to know how a revival starts? Again, it says it starts with us taking that serious by believing in that genuinely. Not culturally, but genuinely. And saying, wherever I go, I will make disciples. I will share the good news just as my Savior did right here. Also, I think about this is football season, bringing it back to that. Think about a football player with me real quick. A football player, I'm, I'm remembering I'm not in Richmond County, I'm not in Scotland County, I'm in Moore County. So I better get the football team right. You know, where I went to school, Pinecrest. So, yeah, amen. <laughs> so think about a football player with me real quick to help this illustration. A football player gets out on the field and he's surrounded by teammates, right, church? And then you see him look over and there's a head coach that's over there with some signs holding up. And the signs are trying to portray that there is a play that I want you and the other players to run or to throw or whatever. But the head coach is saying, hey, I need you and the heck, the assistant coaches to get these players to do this play. Y'all following? Guess what those players have to do? They have to trust in their coach. That when their coach, their head coach, says to run this play and do this play, the players aren't out there changing the play or re-coordinating the play, looking out here saying, no, we should do this. The coach doesn't know anything. No. The players are saying, all right, the coach is saying this. Let's run it. Let's do it. Church, can I tell you, what does the word belief mean? Now, we already have a head coach that's given us the playbook. You follow me? We are the players working with one another to try to commit the plays. That we're to follow this. That we're not to, t- we're not to go outside of this book and say, hey, I think it should be ran this way, this way. Look what the rest of the world is doing. Let's, let's do with it. No. Let's bring it back right here to the best, the best playbook that we could ever study, ever get to know. Because we have a head coach that never commits errors, that he is never wrong, he is truthful, he is inerrant, he is infallible. He is truth. John 14, 6. Jesus is truth. You want to get to the Father? You go through Him. What is belief? It means that you surrender to the best head coach that already has given you the playbook. All you got to do is get to know it. Trust in it. Surrender to it. You following along, church? Y'all still awake? Hey, I like that sound. So, I see some people waking up now. I'm just kidding. So, I'm just kidding. So, the next next word for us again, just following along. So, we got proclaiming. Let Let me rewind just real quick to catch you up. We got the word proclaiming. Talking about sharing, telling people about Jesus Christ, the good news. Then we got repent, right? Repenting of our sin, the, the destructive path, and we just talked about belief. And the fourth word for us tonight, or the fourth phrase, is that we got Jesus walking around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I'm going to reread these verses to kind of help us out real quick. So he's walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he, see these, he sees these two brothers, Simon and Andrew. Cast in their nets into the lake. And this is verse 16. It says, For they were fishermen. 
And Jesus says three incredibly powerful words. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Who are we to follow? Jesus Christ. Church, when I read this passage, when I studied this passage, I look back at my life and I'm like, okay, Jesus, if I'm not following You, I'm following someone. If I'm not proclaiming You, I'm proclaiming someone. If I'm not repenting of my sin, I'm living in something. I'm believing in something. And when I look at this passage, I see if I'm not following Jesus, I'm following someone or something. So let me ask you, church, who are you following? It should be Jesus, Jerry. For many, for me, i got to be very careful because sometimes, and I hope I don't step on toes too much, but sometimes I put my faith in too much politicians or politics, thinking that this way is better than this way. Can I tell you, this man, this person is still a sinner just like you and me. They're still going to make mistakes. Sometimes I look at a pastor. As a pastor, I like to learn from other guys. I like to study people. I like to know. I try to learn. But again, at the end of the day, this pastor is still a sinner just like you and me. They still are going to have issues just like you and me. From marriage to kids to ministry, they're going to have issues. So from politics to maybe... maybe uh, you follow football games. So, you know, sports is right here, so please don't throw rocks at me just yet. You know, please show some grace. But sometimes we put our faith and we start following football, basketball, and we're, that is what we're consumed with. And my mama is a Cowboys fan. <clears throat> mama, I love you. I love you, mama. And then Cowboys, they'll get them one day. So, <laughs> so <laughs> but I'm saying, y'all know what I'm talking about. From politicians to pastors to football teams, whatever, we put our passions, we follow these people. We, you know, from social media, I mean, we put our faith in these people. Jesus says to these guys right here, follow me. Come, follow me. Church, that is a day in and day out struggle that we have. Because the culture preaches and teaches, follow you. Be about you. Think about you. Be about you. Only focus on yourself. That's what gives you purpose in life. And Jesus says these words right here, come, follow me. What is the reaction from these disciples who were being called here? These guys were fishing, and what did they do with their nets after He says these words? What did they do? Someone help me out. They immediately left them. They dropped them. Think about it. That was their livelihood. That's what brought them money. That's what supported them and their families. And with Jesus, when he, this is how Jesus works, church. When He speaks into your life, there is power. Then it's on you to be obedient to listen to His words. These guys listened to His words. They dropped their nets immediately. They didn't run back to their families. They didn't do this or that. They didn't say, hey Jesus, let me go, let me go finish this. Let me go finish this. No, it dropped their nets right then and there. Church, that's what obedience looks like. When Jesus gives you, tells you, shares a word with you, you listen and you obey. You surrender. 
Another thing I look at this church to help. I'm just someone from Aberdeen, North Carolina. Uh, I love my mom. She was a school social worker, works with hospice now in Richmond County. My dad was a plumber, Jerry described. Grandfather was a plumber. I'm not saying that there is nothing, anything wrong with these trades or anything, but they are not the high end, up and up of a business doctor, lawyer, anything like that. And no offense, nothing against if y'all were that. But I'm just saying that I, again, I read from the NIV translation because I don't have the best of reading skills. But what I'm saying and what I'm trying to connect the dots with, who is it that Jesus spoke to to say, come and follow me? Fishermen. Can I tell you that these guys probably weren't the best educated in Greek? These weren't the rabbis in the synagogues? These guys probably didn't smell the best? But yet, he took 12 of the guys of the low, in, low, outcast, low outcast people and yet changed the world with these guys right here. All because they decided to drop their nets and follow him. And the reason I share that, church, is that sometimes I can use an excuse and say, hey, I'm not the best reader. I'm not the best speaker. I didn't come up with the most money in my family. I didn't grow up in Pinehurst or Southern Pines. No offense. Yeah, I grew up in 28315, which is Aberdeen, North Carolina. But what I'm saying, church, is sometimes we use excuses to say we can't follow Jesus because of da-da-da. Think about Moses. What was his excuse? I can't speak well. And God decided to use his brother Aaron. He had an excuse. Many of us, we have excuses of why we can't follow Christ. And tonight, I want to say for this revival, as we, for the next few nights, say that God can and will use you if you live in obedience. That He took someone from Aberdeen, North Carolina and changed a sinner. And now I'm before y'all preaching. Only through God's grace and His power could something like that be done. So tonight, let me just ask you a question. What's your excuse that you need to leave behind here at this church tonight and say, God, I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to drop my nets and focus on You. I'm willing to give up everything to say, You are my Lord. You are my Savior. Luke 9.23 says, Deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow Christ. That's my prayer for us tonight, church, as we go into the next point, is that we would deny ourselves and focus on our Savior. The last point for us, church, Jesus says to these guys, besides these three words, it says, I'll make you fishers of men. Alright? He's speaking the lingo of these guys. I'll make you fishers of men. So let me ask you real quick, church, what does that require? He's telling these guys to go out and be fishermen. What does that require them to do? It requires them to love other people that's around them. It requires them to use their gifts to go out and to be a blessing and share the good news, to proclaim it to other people, church. It means to say, hey, life is no longer about me, but about the people that need Christ that we just sang about. 
saying that there's lost and dying people out there that need this good news. That need it. Some of the final words that Jesus gives to the disciples, it says, go and make disciples of what? Of what, church? The nation. Of the nations. Of Honduras. Around the world. That we are called right here in Aberdeen to spread it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to the ends of the world. Let me ask real quick. Do we have any fishermen in the room tonight? Do we, do we have anybody that likes to fish? Okay, am I the only one? Jerry, you're the only one? Okay, I see some other people well, raising their hand. Okay, the sound guy. There we go. So let me ask you this real quick. Let me use this analogy. I like to bass fish. I don't know about y'all. I like to bass fish. So help me. Let, me. let me paint this picture for us. Do y'all like to bass fish, the ones that raise their hand? Okay. Say it again, Jerry. Catfish, okay. You like to use that stank bait to catch them. But they eat well versus bass, I'm just saying. So in bass fishing, let me give you a little example. I should have brought some. I use a top water lure that's a frog. And this frog comes across the lily pads. And it imitates a frog. And I'll tell you one of the most beautiful things. I'm just kidding. So when this, lily, when this frog comes across the lily pads, and you see this wake come up from under the lily pads and you see this monster fish. I'm talking about big fish. I'm just kidding. You know, maybe, maybe a little fish. So when it comes up and it just devours this frog, I mean, it is awesome. I mean, it's like a whale coming up out of the ocean and it with adrenaline pumping and you set the hook and it, if you're good, it is, you know, set it and you reel it in. Well, guess what? Normally, after the first of the morning or late in the evening, after the first of the morning, normally the fish go deeper. So guess what, church? i got to change up tactics. Instead of using a topwater lure, the fish, because of the hot and, or the heat and the sun, they go where the water's a little cooler. Which means I no longer can use this, this frog that stays on topwater. Which means i got to use a worm with a weight. And this soft plastic worm looks like an earthworm. And it dances and it, it jiggles a little bit and it does its thing. And guess what? A bass just comes along and just eats it. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, it, 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 you reel it in then. But sometimes the fish go even deeper. During the wintertime, they're on the bottom, which means you use a bottom lure to catch these fish. And you got to slow roll it a little bit. It's called a jig. I don't know if you ever heard of it. But it literally looks like a crawdad. And it comes across the bottom, and you bounce it, and it, there's a skirt on it that fluffs up, and it imitates a crawdad. And guess what? The fish is hungry. He'll come along and get hooked. The, the picture I'm trying to portray for us is that sometimes you've got to use a little bit of different tactic to catch the fish. You see what I'm saying, church? Sometimes you can get them at surface level. This is where they're at, and then they're hooked. Sometimes you've got to have a little more intimate conversation to go a little deeper with them, and then they're hooked. Sometimes... They're really far gone. They're deep, deep. And you got to work them a little more. You got to be a little more methodic. You got to be a little more intimate. You got to work and you got to study. You got to know where these fish are in order to hook them. Church, sometimes we got to realize it takes time, it takes effort to be a person who fishes 
for people. You see what I'm saying? That sometimes you got to change up the method. Sometimes you go faster, sometimes you go slower. There's a crankbait, and there's a little diving lip on it that makes it go deeper. And it's shiny, and it looks like a bait fish, and it comes in there. So what I'm trying to say is that if we are called to be fishers of men, just like these disciples were, you got to realize that there is a method to using your gifts to hook this lost and dying world, to bring them in, to reel them in, and allow them to meet Jesus. You see what I'm saying, church? I hope you all follow along with my nice little lovely analogy. So... That is where we are tonight, church. And that is my final, my final challenge for us tonight. And on that note, I just want to ask myself and y'all, when was the last time you dusted off the reels and actually fished for people? Again, we're supposed to be proclaimers of the good news. Believers of the good news. Repenters of the bad stuff, the sinful stuff, and people who walk in holiness. And as we live that way, we are looking around saying, who is it, God, that I'm fishing for? What doors, what place, what pond, where is my mission field that I can cast out my line and send out the good news of Christ? Because many of us, church, and I'm guilty of it as well, my fishing poles are too dusty. And I'm content with them just sitting in my closet, sitting in my shed, sitting in my truck. And I hadn't gotten them out, I hadn't dusted them off, and I hadn't fished for people. Many of us, we've gotten that way where we are complacent and just content with living life day in and day out. All you got to do is turn on the news and see where the world's at. All you got to do is turn it on. So as we go tonight into tomorrow into Wednesday, this is my hope and my prayer that we can charge up, be revived as Christians, be excited about Jesus and the Savior who bled and died for us. And that way we can take His good news, dust off our fishing lines, and go out and fish for people. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. I'm going to close this out in prayer. And after I pray, I think uh, Kathleen's going to come up. So these, this is my challenge for us. I want, I want us to pray some, for three things tonight. The first one is, who is it that you can pro proclaim the Gospel to? And as I pray in a moment, I genuinely want y'all and challenge y'all to pray for one person, church, just one person, you can proclaim the Gospel to and share Jesus with. The second thing I want y'all to pray about Maybe some of us in this room, we got some sin that's getting a hold of us. That we're battling with. That we're struggling with. And if that's the case, I pray tonight that you can leave it right here in the altar or in your pew and say, God, I'm willing to follow you. Help me to repent of this tonight so I can focus my mind and my heart on you. And the last thing is, the last thing is, maybe tonight, I don't want to take this for granted, maybe tonight someone's in this room that needs to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. I don't know y'all very well, and I don't want to say that no one is in this room, that, but maybe someone is in this room tonight that needs Christ. 
So three things. All right? So I'm going to have a moment of silence, all heads bowed, eyes And I'll close this out in a moment. God, I'm truly grateful to have Your Holy Scriptures right here that we've studied tonight. Because there are many people many people around this world that do not even have Your Scripture written in their own language. Maybe people in Honduras don't even have Scripture written in their own language. Maybe people in China, around the world, but yet we have Scripture written right here in English. And too many times we take it for granted, God. Too many times we take our relationship with You for granted. And we get so focused on ourselves that we forget to repent. We forget to believe and have a faith in You that we struggle day in and day out. God, I pray that You will open our hearts to receive Your message tonight, that You will help us to apply Your Word, Your Holy Word to our lives, that we will be a body of believers who proclaims faithfully day in and day out to this world that needs You, that needs Your love that needs Your light because it's living in darkness. God, if there's anybody in here tonight that is battling, struggling with sin, I pray tonight can be the night where they're set free. That they will no longer be a master of their sin over their sin. But they will now come into a relationship with the one true Master that has the keys to unlock them from that sin. God, I pray tonight, if there's anybody who needs to receive You as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that after the service that they can come talk to Jerry or I and make it right tonight. God, wake us up. Revive us. Get us excited about our relationship with You. And we're so grateful that it was Your Son, Jesus Christ, who hung upon that cross. And it wasn't us. But it was also Him who three days later arose again from the grave. Who showed Satan who was boss. And I praise Your name for that tonight. In Your Son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. And I think there's some final music. And what about this, church? We'll do this. As this music is playing, I want to give you all a chance if you need more time to pray.
because I don't want to say if the Holy Spirit's working on y'all tonight that if y'all need more time in prayer as she as she plays and if y'all need prayer come up to Jerry and I and uh, and we'll dismiss after the music